Welcome to the Planet of Plenty podcast, presented by Alltech. Every second, every day, there are people thinking, trying, testing, flying, investing, inspiring, and applying new ideas with an insatiable drive to guarantee a world where people, animals, and plants thrive. Patrick Crowley is an on-farm specialist at Alltech based in the dairy capital of the USA, Wisconsin. He has over 23 years of experience in the dairy industry and is known to be the silage expert on the team. He works with dairy producers, nutritionists, and consultants, troubleshooting a range of issues on farms in the Midwest. Among those issues is the management of mycotoxins. He joins us to provide an update on efforts to mitigate the risk of mycotoxins without breaking the bank. Thanks for being here, Patrick. Thank you for having me. So if you would bring us up to date on the, the mycotoxin issue, what, what are you seeing as you work with uh, producers? This year, when I, I look back and see what we're looking at and finding on dairies this year, I really got to go back to last fall. Last fall, we had a tremendous amount of rain. You know, we're predicting it was a wettest fall in over 100 plus years that we have had. So you go back there and we identified this risk in the weather challenge. And, and what we did, we we brought it to the dairy uh, harvest analysis, a North American harvest analysis. And what that is, is we randomly check corn silages out on the dairy, just spot checking them. And we did about over 100, 150 different samples. And what we're looking at is what mycotoxins were coming off the field, before fermentation, before storage, before feed out. So we really understood what was out there. And when I look back, the average sample, if you take all those samples, average them out, it was six and a quarter mycotoxins per sample. And that's fresh out of the field. The main mycotoxins that we were seeing were the type B trichothecines, the Dons, or some people would call the vomitoxins, a fusaric acid, and, and the fumonisins. Them were really the would you say the the backbone of what started to come in off the field before we went through any type of fermentation process? And could you put that level in perspective? What does that mean? Great question. Over the past, we've done this harvest analysis for the past four or five years, and we've started from two and a half mycotoxins. The next year we're at three and a half. The next time we're at five. And now we're at six and a quarter mycotoxin, average number of mycotoxins per sample. Year to year, it just steadily increases a small bit, which becomes concerning. But what is very, what I'm very happy to see is more people are, you know, understanding mycotoxins, what they can do, where they're coming from, and how we can work with them, and, and brings us to what we're doing today. And so that measurement was taken last fall, and of course, winter sets in. Correct. Do you see uh, an uh, an explosion in when warm weather arrives? Yes, a lot of people got into their 2018 corn silage, some as soon as December, some were just getting into it here in March. The mycotoxins, we, we, when we look at the mycotoxins that we bring in on a fresh sample, that level will not go down. So we're going to have that base level no matter what. What we want to do is create an environment that doesn't increase through storage and fermentation. So when these people were getting into their 2018 silage in December to March, we kind of had a brutal winter in the Midwest. Everything was kind of held at check or at bay with the mycotoxins. But once we started receiving warm weather, a little bit of moisture in the air, things started to thaw out. We did see an explosion of mycotoxins and a few new mycotoxins, such as the xeralinones and the penicilliums, which is a storage mold mycotoxin, became much, much more prevalent. 
Could you translate that level that you've detected into um, consequences? What, what does the threat look like? The threat is real. The, the threat is absolutely real. But the important part is understanding what the risk is. You know, a lot of times we use risk. You know, what, what's your mycotoxin risk? What, similar to your threat, but we need to understand it. We need to test for it. And then we work with the producers. Can we dilute it? Can, can we understand where the mycotoxin is coming from? Say it's from corn silage. Can we reduce the rate to reduce the risk to the animal? Or are we going to have to look at mitigating this with a product of some sort? Is research into that possibility underway? Absolutely. I, all the, our recommendations and our understanding currently on the mycotoxin is all research-based. So that absolutely gives us a leaps and bounds advantage over our competitors. But mainly when you, when you sit down and look at it, it gives us a great advantage to work with the producers to have a complete understanding of what's going on, what we may see, and, and how do we want to deal with it. So th- everything's research-based, and that's where I really true find out truly where the value of what our our knowledge is and our our services are. And which regions are are most affected? Where is it most prevalent? Mycotoxins are everywhere. I wish they were just specifically regional specific or region specific, but unfortunately they're not. Each region has their different temperatures, climates, storms, weather patterns. So every region is unique in what type of mycotoxins they may have. But I don't feel any mycot- uh, any region is safe from mycotoxins. It's going to be everywhere. It's just a matter of what type of mycotoxins, and it, it changes from you know up in Wisconsin in the dairy land compared down to Texas. We're going to deal with different mycotoxins than what they're going to deal with. So, how do you go about actually detecting the presence of mycotoxin contamination? Well, we go out to the dairy and uh, walk through the forages, have the discussions with the producers, the dairy farmer, the herdsmen, the crop people, and we evaluate the forages. We go on farm and we look at the, their storage units, whether it be a pile or a bunker or a bag unit. First, we look just for simple visual identification. Can we see bad areas, spoilage, molds that are producing mycotoxins? Can we see them with our eyes? Some cases, yes, some cases, no. But then we take the next step and we use, a, I personally use a thermal imaging camera so I can look at the units, the storage units, and and more closely be able to identify stresses or challenges in that unit that you can't see with the naked eye and have a better understanding. After that point, a lot of producers want to, we want to test for it. We want to go out and test for mycotoxins. We want to be able to have an accurate understanding of what we're dealing with, if we're dealing with anything or if we're dealing with a large situation that could blow up. And I really, I, I really lean on and probably the, it is the biggest and the best tool I have at my resource is Alltech 37 plus lab in Nicholasville, Kentucky. They are an amazing group to work with, good response, but they are able to test for over 50 mycotoxins that we know that our research, that we have research and understanding what these mycotoxins are, what they can do, and how do they act with other mycotoxins. And we can relay that into what we call REQ, a risk equivalent quantity, to the dairymen and say, this is your risk. And, and that, but that's a backbone. That's by far my best tool in my toolbox right now. And how about the animals themselves? Can you detect whether or not an animal has ingested mycotoxins? Absolutely. And that's a lot what I do on farm, uh, very visual, hands-on. 
uh, passionate about cows, but I, I do walk a lot of cows and talk to a lot of producer and herdsmen, but ap- absolutely you can see that. And it ranges from changes in dry matter intake, fluctuation in milk production components, whether it be butterfat or protein, but look, walk in the pens, inconsistency, variability of manure, uh, spit up cuds. Spit up cuds is a classic sign of very, very high don levels where they're spitting their cud. And, and we're just, there's tremendous amount of what you can see from the cow. And in all honesty, the cow tells the whole story. That's the cow is where you need to read and understand where the changes are, what's happening. How does she look? Is she rough coat, thin coat? Is she moving well? All of these factors go into, do we have a challenge or not? In the introduction, I mentioned uh, how to mitigate the risk of mycotoxins without breaking the bank. Um, What kind of strategies can producers follow to affordably manage mycotoxin risk? Absolutely. Great question, especially with the dairy economy, uh, where it's been and where it is. And hopefully it is improving, but at a slow rate. Initially, we want to understand the risk, and that's why we rely back on the testing. Then are we able to you know, that's the saying is solution is dilution. Can we dilute the specific feed ingredient, whether it's a byproduct of corn silage, where the mycotoxin is coming from on the dairy? Can we dilute that to lower the risk to the animal? Sometimes you can, sometimes you cannot. At that point, if we can't reduce it, we look at uh, research-based products. Are there some other things that uh, the producer can do to prevent the development of the mold uh, in, in feeds? Absolutely. And that's um, when I visit with a lot of dairymen, they want to know what can I do better next year? What can we change? Is there anything we can do on farm? Great question. Yes, absolutely. There's stuff peop- uh, producers can do. And it really starts in the field. Anywhere from your tillage practices, turning the soil so the soil microbes can break down our our residue, our trash, the corn stalks, the leaves, whatever is out there, allowing that to happen, but also crop rotation and uh, rotating your crops. It, in the dairy land, we're, we're fortunate we can rotate corn to alfalfa, to beans, to wheat, and continue that and break the cycle of some of these molds and mycotoxins that may be in the field. But there are areas that don't have that. They're not able to do that because of possibly their sloped or lay of their land, you would say, where they're going corn on corn on corn on corn. Every year we do that, we're increasing the risk of mycotoxins to attack the plant health. And that's what we're really trying to do. When I have those conversations with dairy producers, my question back is, what can we do to increase plant health? Because that's where we want the plants able to fight off these mycotoxins as best as they can. I know that you've actually developed a four-step guide to making great silage. Uh, Could you give us a brief description? Yeah, just very simple, nothing rocket science. But first, you know, your first step would be seed selection. You know, selecting the right seed, uh, the right variety, the correct variety for that specific dairy, whether it's digestibility, yield, starch levels, or whatnot. Starting there, always starting with the right seed. Uh, Then it goes into harvest. You know, we're going to jump right into harvest, correcting at the correct moisture, getting the correct chopper length, harvesting as fast as we can and putting it away as fast as we can. So that, that that's a crucial part just because Mother Nature doesn't always give us the windows that we need to harvest. So when we go, we need to be at the right time and get it done quickly. The third step is is storing it, getting it to the piles, getting it to the bunkers, the silos, the bags, wherever you would have it harvested, doing it quickly, packing it, removing, trying to pack 
or remove the oxygen so fermentation can take place quickly and adequately to create a more stable feed. And lastly is, is definitely feed out. We can do all those things right, but when it becomes time to feed the animal, if we don't feed enough face per day, we're not um, removing spoilage or molds or whatnot and feeding that to animals, we're creating more issues. So it's, it's really that four steps, the right seed, harvest correctly at the right moisture, chop length, packing it well, taking the oxygen away, and then feed out, you know, being on our toes, understanding, removing the junk if there is any, and also even testing just so we have an understanding of what's going on. You know, listening to to this conversation, Patrick, is a reminder that farming really is not only hard work, but it's complicated work. It's intellectual work. You got to be a scientist. Producers, and I don't want to, dairy producers, crop producers, with technology advancements, they're, we're out there to help them. We want to be a part of their team because in all honesty, their experience and their knowledge is just as great, if not greater than mine. Mm-hmm. So I want to bring more to the team, but I'm not leading the team. I want to be part of the team to help resolve their issues. And it's, it's, it's very complicated. They're doing a great job. It's just a lot to do. And, and I know that Alltech has actually launched an on-farm dairy support team. How is that team actually getting out there and working with producers? Much what you just said or, yeah, or more? Yeah, I mean, we have the on-farm uh, team, a very talented, very diverse group of people across the area, uh, whether it be across the U.S. or even some of us uh, go to different countries. But very talented, very diverse. And we focus on four main categories, and that would be the forage quality which would be more like what I would be doing out on dairies, but also herd analytics, cow comfort, uh, talent development, employee development on farm. But we're bringing, that team is so talented and diverse, we're able to bring value, knowledge, and service out to the producers to help them achieve their goals, help them find, discover the bottlenecks, the challenges, how do we get over them, how do we move on, how do we help them achieve their goals and maximize profitability, increase efficiency? We're bringing a value to what we're doing with Alltech. Patrick Crowley is an on-farm specialist at Alltech. We thank you so much, Patrick. Very interesting. Thank you. Thanks for listening. This podcast is part of a special Planet of Plenty series presented by Alltech. Every second, every day, there are people thinking, trying, Testing, flying, investing, inspiring, and applying new ideas with an insatiable drive to guarantee a world where people, animals, and plants thrive. Discover their stories at planetofplenty.com.